As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast and the Athletic Football Show for Friday, October 23rd, end of the week, week seven underway after Eagles and Giants got us going on Thursday night. We are looking forward to what is shaping up to be a very fun, very playoff implication heavy uh, week seven weekend. I am Michael Beller. I am joined for the first part of the show where we talk DFS with Derek Van Riper. DVR, how you feeling heading into the weekend? Feeling great. I love this slate as much as I hated the way week six came together. I love week seven that much, so I'm really excited. It's kind of week where you deposit more money if you need to, and you play a lot more lineups than you normally do. <laughs> yeah, it's just a fun week, right? This looks like a really good set of slate of games from both fantasy and real-life perspectives, and that's where I'm going to start off our DFS discussion here. We're going to get back to talking about some of these games just because there are a handful that stand out and I'm thinking about, you know, when you start when you start to build your lineups and you think about getting exposure to certain games. Do you feel like you need exposure to the big 3 as they are this week Seattle Arizona, which now if you haven't heard, I'm sure you have, been flexed to Sunday night, uh, Green Bay Houston, Detroit Atlanta. Do you feel like you have to get investment in I mean, it may be hard to get investment in all three because obviously you're looking at a lot of high-priced players, but are you trying to find a way to get tied into at least two of these three? Yeah, I think so. I mean, even if it's one-off plays or even just mini stacks where you've got maybe receivers going on both sides or a running back on one side and a receiver on the team that you think is going to be playing catch-up, I mean, I think you do you see a pretty clear gap between those three games and then the second-tier games, which... Mm-hmm. I think you can build primarily around the games that are in that low 50s range and then take a few carefully placed shots in those higher scoring games. And maybe that's the path to unlocking a tournament winning sort of lineup for this week. And I think one really cool thing that I noticed looking at the early roster rate projections over at Roto Grinders is that it's a flat week for the most part. There is not a ton of heavy chalk, which kind of opens up a lot of interesting possibilities, different combinations of players that won't be overwhelmingly rostered. That just makes playing DFS a lot more fun for a lot of people. So I think that's part of what makes the slate so exciting. 
Yeah, and you know what? You you look at those those low fifties games, and I think there are some games that would be a little sneaky to stack. I mean, even if you get some exposure to the high priced games, there could be some other ones out there that you look at and you get um you know maybe you you pivot off of all of those games or one or two of those big games, and you're still going to find some high scoring in the games that aren't uh, putting up fifty five, fifty six, fifty seven and a half over unders. Um, I look at L A and Jacksonville, the Chargers and Jacksonville as one that could fit that, and a lot of it to me has to do with what the Chargers passing game I think is going to be able to do this assumes a healthy Keenan Allen of course Uh, Jacksonville's pass defense has been among the worst in the league so I think we could see a big game out of the Chargers and we know that Gardner Minshew always up for garbage time so that one jumps out at me any jump out at you as games that you want to get invested in as pivots or even just as pairs with some of the uh, some of those high-priced games yeah I think you were right to bring up Jags Chargers as one of those games that was on my my pad of, of games that I think are a little bit overlooked. Uh, I do think the Steelers Titans matchup, I think you've got the 50 and a half ish over under, depending on where you look, you've got a nice tight point spread. Titans are favored by one. I, I don't know if it's the reputation of these two defenses that's driving the decisions, or if it's just the rest of the slate having some higher scoring games on it, but that could be a nice back and forth game between two offenses that can put points on the board and have a lot of ways of going about it too. So I would say that's probably my uh, slightly overlooked game from the top half of the over-unders. All right, Derek, let's get on to the running back position and let's start building some lineups. I'm going to go to you first here. When you look at the running back position, what's the first thing that uh, that you end up doing? What's the first player you end up putting in or what's the first group of players? How are you starting the build at running back this week? I think my eyes went to Aaron Jones first at 7,200. Mm-hmm. It's a great matchup against the Texans. It's a high-scoring game that we're looking for. The Packers are favored, so it ticks all the boxes there. We've talked about him on this show before as someone who might be a little bit disrespected by the pricing algorithms, and he could probably cost you know $500 more and he'd still be in play. I think he's the, the default sort of cash back that I'd be looking to lock in. And then you see Kareem Hunt right there at 6,800. You know, Nick Chubb, of course, not part of that backfield right now. A nice matchup for the Browns, assuming Kareem Hunt goes into the weekend completely healthy. He's going to be very popular, so I think at least for cash games, he's a strong consideration as well. You get that usage in the passing game. You get a pretty nice carry floor. We saw it back in week five, 20 carries for 72 yards. I think you're looking at at least three to four targets most weeks as well. So he should be able to get to the 18-plus point range relatively easily at a sub $7,000 price tag. So that's kind of the, the default build for cash games, but I think there are so many ways you could start to mix it up. You could save a little bit of money, go down to maybe someone like Chris Carson, who's in one of the shootouts, the Sunday night game that we just talked about with the Seahawks and Cardinals. I think he makes a ton of sense at 6400 You could probably build a good cash lineup and have Carson be your most expensive running back in it if you wanted to, and then spend that extra savings to get upgrades at wide receiver. Yeah, Carson is my favorite pivot here. I had Mixon and Hunt both listed as potential pivots off of the high-priced guys, but you mentioned that uh, Hunt has a the highest projected ownership right now, so that doesn't make him quite as interesting a pivot as I initially thought he would be. And Joe Mixon now has missed two straight days of practice, so Friday becomes a very important practice day for Mixon. And even if he is able to get in there, you have to wonder just how uh, close to 100% he will be and if the Bengals will maybe pull back on his typical usage. So that 
that has me concerned about him. Totally with you on Aaron Jones, and you know, while this is definitely more of a cash game friendly sort of build, I look at Jones pairing him with one of Kamara and James Conner, or you know, Kamara and Conner, and maybe fading Jones. But I really like starting off my lines with two of those three guys. All three are in great situations, both in terms of what they do week in and week out for their offenses, the roles that they hold, and the matchups that they have. We're talking about three guys who have some of the best matchups of the week uh, this week. So uh, so I really want to get two of those three guys into my lineups. It's maybe not the most attractive tournament build, but... I don't know. It's hard for me to fade all, you know, even even just one of those three in the lineup to me feels like you're almost starting at a deficit. I That's how I've started all my lineups is playing with ways that two of those three guys are in there. Sometimes it's Kamara Jones, sometimes it's Kamara Connor, sometimes it's Jones Connor. But it's those three guys who are really the central focus of um, of my DFS lineups here in week seven. Yeah, I mean, Kamara at 7,900 was the other thought I had mm-hmm. when the week began because the matchup is so good but then you start to think about Michael Thomas coming back and how much that maybe brings the ceiling down I mean it's a pretty skinny production tree in the Saints offense those guys can both have huge games in the same week that's certainly not out of the question but I do think it makes playing him at 7900 less obvious and the second thought I had when I looked at, at Camara this week was Ezekiel Elliott is 7800 and if you're going to spend up the workload should be there. The Cowboys, it just feels like everything's going wrong right now. They're a total mess, yeah. right? There are <laughs> leaks about the coaching staff really just not being good at their jobs. I mean, that's brutal. But how could the game plan against Washington be anything less than feed Zeke? I know he's mm-hmm. coming off the two-fumble game against the Cardinals on Monday night. But we're talking about a top-five running back talent. And this could easily be the week seven version of Derrick Henry. And you know, in the high price group of running backs, it just seems like he's being a little bit ignored relative to where he'd be normally in this matchup at that price. Yeah, I think you're probably onto something there. I mean, who's going to want to play him, right? Who's really going to want to get involved with any sort of Cowboy this week? And I think you're probably right about what the game plan is going to be from the Cowboys with uh, the way Andy Dalton played and the strength of Washington being in their pass rush. I could definitely see a heavy game for Ezekiel Elliott. So that does feel also like another high-priced, high-volume pivot away from Kamara, even from Henry, who's got a tough matchup with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Aaron Jones, James Conner, some of the more popular guys. And then, as you mentioned, Kareem Hunt going to be very popular. 6,800, obviously not living in that same price range as uh, Alvin Kamara or Ezekiel Elliott, but still uh, a guy with, uh, when you throw his ownership rate in there, does turn Ezekiel Elliott potentially into an interesting pivot off of him. Um, Another guy who I'm looking at in a big way, Derek, is Justin Jackson, just $4,900. And that's really the way I started lineup. I said I started with two of those three backs, and that's true. But then I also am throwing Justin Jackson right into my flex at $4,900 with the potential volume that he could get in a game where the Chargers are favored by eight, eight and a half, depending on what you look at, uh, and against a Jacksonville defense that isn't really scaring anyone. The only thing that keeps me away from Justin Jackson is maybe not wanting to play him alongside Justin Herbert, who I also like quite a bit this week, but $4,900. It just feels like you could get, I don't know, 20 touches or so out of a out of a $4,900 back. That is such a good play. And my dog Clyde in the background had to bark in agreement. Clyde agrees. And <laughs> Kenyon Drake's probably the other guy in that price range that you're thinking about. I don't mm-hmm. know if you'd put both in the same lineup. I think you could justify uh, one being a cash game staple. 
Who do you trust more? I mean, I think when you look at the Arizona-Seattle matchup, it's one of the highest totals on the board. I think the Cardinals right now have an implied total of 26 and change. Drake's been getting work, and he's coming off of a great game, but there was a late TD run that maybe skewed our perception of what he really did against Dallas, right? I mean, 20 carries, 164 yards, and two touchdowns, but is he 18 for 70 and still very TD-dependent? I mean, at that price... 18 for 70 and a few catches isn't going to hurt you all that much. So who do you trust more between Drake or Jackson if you have to pick one? It feels crazy to say, but I think I trust Jackson more because I feel as though that Arizona-Seattle game is going to be throw, 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 throw. I just think that you're going to have to see a lot of Kyler Murray action through the air and on the ground, but basically it's going to be on Kyler Murray to keep the Cardinals in this game with the Seahawks. So it's less about the player and more about the expected script and what their respective teams are going to have to do to win those games. Where are you at on those two? I think I'm more likely to have either Keenan Allen or Hunter Henry in my lineup, and that's going to keep me away from Jackson. And I think I'm less likely to find the way to pay up for one of Kyler Murray or DeAndre Hopkins. So it's probably it's probably just Drake based on how I'm building lineups. I, I think maybe a little more faith in Drake just because he's had that volume over a longer period of time. But uh, there's not much that separates them in the projections or in the expected roles for this week. All right, let's move it over to the wide receiver position here, Derek. I uh, like the first note you put in our little show sheet here. What does Terry McLaurin have to do to get into the 6.2 to 6.5K range? I agree with you completely. It's like there's nothing he can do to get that pricing respect that it seems like he has already earned. Yeah, we've seen enough Terry McLaurin to know that quarterback play just doesn't seem to bring him down all that much. It makes you wonder, what's he going to do someday when he has a really good starting quarterback throwing him passes? if he ever has a really good starting quarterback (laughs) throwing him passes, uh, probably not in Washington, probably somewhere else by the time that actually comes together. But let's not dwell on Terry McLaurin spending several years of his career on a bad team. Um, Let's talk about some other guys in this range. I mentioned Keenan Allen before. As long as he's healthy, he's the cash game staple at wide receiver. Mm -hmm. Some people are going to lock in Adams. Some people are going to lock in DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not pushing back on that. I'm having a hard time getting up to that level with my top receiver this week because I'm spending a little bit more on my group of running backs as a whole. So, you know, McLaurin at 5,800, again, a perfectly fine play against Dallas, but Keenan Allen at 6,200, the volume you're expecting him to get as long as he's healthy is just such a benefit in a full PPR setting like DraftKings. I don't know how you could pass up on him as a cash game option if he gets the all clear coming out of practice on Friday. Yeah, sounds like he's going to. Obviously, maybe we're jumping the gun a little bit there, but the fact that he was able to practice in at least limited fashion both Wednesday and Thursday definitely has the arrow pointing in the right direction, and I agree with you on him being really a good guy to go after. It's it's that Chargers offense, I think. That's one that, you know, you, as, as we said off the top, maybe one of those sneaky games that uh, isn't getting the attention of some of the higher over-under games, but with the Chargers offense the way it's played since Justin Herbert took over as the starter in a very plus matchup against the Jets, Jaguars. There's almost no bad way to invest in it. Keenan Allen, just another one of the good ones. And when you throw his price into the mix, I mean, really all the Chargers are fairly, if not underpriced this week. So uh, really a team I think that you have to find some sort of line of investment in. And I agree with you on Hopkins and the way you should be doing the wide receiver position here this week. Hopkins is going to be popular for very obvious reasons, but 
I would rather just spend twice. I'd rather spend up on the running back position. You know, I'd rather go double up, double up at the running back on high-priced guys and find someone a little bit cheaper, find three guys a little bit cheaper at wide receiver because there are so many options. We've already hit on a few of them here. I'll throw another one out. I feel like A.J. Brown, $6,300, is underpriced. We've seen him come back from, uh, from the knee injury, give you three touchdowns in the two games since he has been back. He is such a key part of that Tennessee offense. And even though Corey Davis comes back into the fold, uh, $6,300 is not really asking. You're not asking uh, A.J. Brown to go up and put out, put up you know, 10 catches, 140 yards, and two touchdowns. You don't need him to do that at 6,300. You'll take it, but he can do half that. He can give you seven for 70 and one, and you feel very good about getting him in there at 6,300. So he's another guy who I feel like is a little bit undervalued, and there are so many guys in this range. I mean, we can go up to Kenny Galladay, 6,700. Another guy who, like Terry McLaurin, doesn't seem, there seems to be, there seems to be some invisible ceiling on what his price is going to be, and no matter what he does, he is never going to get priced over it. The one guy who I think is interesting or who I'm surprised to see in this range of players is one who you brought uh, into the fold here, and that's Tyreek Hill. $6,400 on Tyreek Hill. Chiefs favored by 9.5 at the Broncos this week. I know the Broncos, uh, on paper, the defensive numbers look good, but that just feels like a pretty low price for a guy with the role Tyreek has in the offense that he's in. Yeah, and I think because of the way the receiver board shapes up, you know, you're not going to have nearly the same roster rate on Tyreek Hill that you'd have if he were at this price in a typical week. So you're mm-hmm. getting the benefit of a guy that can have a couple of massive scoring plays that swing the entire slate. Like he's capable of doing that. His floor is probably higher than people realize. He looked week to week. He was over 15 DraftKings points every week until that rainy, crappy weather game against the Bills. So I like that you're getting him on a discount. You know, It's great to get exposure to the Chiefs offense anytime you're not paying full freight to do it. I think the question would be, if you were going to play Hill, is there anybody on the Denver side that you'd run it back with? Because the first two players that come to my mind are both pass catchers. It's Noah Fant if he's healthy at tight end, but it's Tim Patrick if we're talking about the wide receiver position. Yeah, I, I was wondering about Patrick and Judy, actually, um, and what they might have. You know, I actually kind of like Jerry Judy only because he got the Stephon Gilmore treatment for a good chunk of that game last week. Uh, there's no one on Kansas City's defense that matches up with what Stephon Gilmore is bringing you. And I'm going to check this again, but when I checked it earlier, I'm pretty Judy is, is Judy a little cheaper than Patrick this week? It might not be the case. Um, no, Patrick's still a little bit cheaper. Um, so maybe they're even then in my eyes, but I would rather go with one of them than with Noah Fant. Even if Fant does come back, I would still be a little concerned about uh, first game back from an injury. Right, First game back from injury weeks are always dicey just because you're not exactly sure how healthy the guy is. You're not exactly sure uh, how much he's going to be used in the offense compared with his regular role. So that would concern me a little bit. The prices on Judy and Patrick, 5100 for Judy and 4600 for Patrick. So I think you could go that way, but I don't think you need to. I don't think you need to stack Hill with someone on Denver's side. I think we could still see just a really good performance out of Kansas City's offense here this week. So I think you would feel uh, decent enough about that. But, you know, someone who I do like in a stack situation, uh, if we're going to go back to Keenan Allen as being one of our favorite guys, is DJ Chark. 
DJ Chark is in that uh, return from injury plus one week, right? Last week was his first week back from the injury. This week, been practicing as normal, $5,500, so you're really still not paying. You're almost still paying for the slightly injured version of DJ Chark, and you know, not to beat a dead horse, it just feels like that's the sort of game that could get up into the 50s with how bad Jacksonville's defense has been and how willing of a garbage-time offense Jacksonville is. Yeah, I mean, I think you also like the way that Chark's used in the red zone, too, mm-hmm. relative to the other options in the Jags offense. So I think at that price, he absolutely makes sense as someone that you want to think about, especially if you are going to go you know, with Keenan Allen. It's good to have exposure to the other side of that matchup if you're expecting to play up to that higher-end expectation of the over-under. I think the other thing that's interesting about receivers this week is that you have a lot of cheap sub-5K values uh, Christian Kirk had the long touchdown against the Cowboys. The cards were just running with a big lead in the second half. He seems like he's a little undervalued. If you're looking for discounted exposure through the air to the Cardinals-Seahawks matchup, 4,900 is very fair for him. The thing that surprised me the most as I looked through the projections over at Roto-Grinders was just Deontay Johnson at 4,200. Yeah, it's a good value, but he was the projected highest-owned receiver this week. I just... That didn't make sense to me. That I think add up. Chase Claypool looks great. I know the price is ticking up. He's 5,700 now. Uh, but they had him just under 10% for usage, which seems very reasonable. Again, a function of how the board as a whole shapes mm-hmm. up and some of these matchups we're talking about. But then I got to thinking about big field tournaments again and what it takes to win a tournament and having something that no one else really has in their lineup. This would be the ultimate Juju Smith-Schuster GPP <laughs> leverage play yeah. because he's cheaper than Claypool. He's 5,500 to Claypool's 5,700, and everybody else is on one of Johnson or Claypool. So if you think that game is that second wave game that comes up a bit higher in terms of overall offensive output, I think Juju for your big field tournaments might be a way to get somebody in who's not very expensive, still brings a pretty good ceiling, and could really give you some differentiation from the other lineups in the field. Yeah, I think a good way to put this wide receiver position for this week is we've run through, what, 10, 11 guys already, 12 guys in about eight minutes of time. We still have plenty more uh, guys that we could get to, but we just don't have all the time in the world to do it. So we got to move on, but this is a really, it's a fun week, right? It's a fun week to attack the wide receiver position. It's a fun week to attack these two big positions because we have so many of these guys between five and 7,000 at wide receiver who we like and who we can build easy arguments around. And then we have some of those high priced running backs that we really like as well. It just feels like these two positions are really, uh, in symbiosis here in week seven. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. 
for their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. All right, Derek, let's move this over to the quarterback position. If I'm going to pay up here, I'm doing, I'm, I'm going for Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray. I mean, that really is what I'm doing here. No offense to Patrick Mahomes, no offense to Josh Allen, but if I'm really going to pay the premium at this position, I just don't see how it could be anyone other than those two guys. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense, especially with them going against each other. Those two offenses are going to hopefully just push pace and put a ton of points on the board. It's hard to find the 8K for Russell Wilson. I will say that because there's so many other good mid-range and upper-tier players in favorable spots. So I imagine that Murray will be at least a little bit more popular than Wilson. I think the more common build is going to be one of Justin Herbert, Matthew Stafford, and maybe Deshaun Watson because you save 300 if you go down from Murray to Watson. You save 600 going down from Murray to Stafford, and you save 700 going down from Murray to Herbert. And I don't think you're hurting yourself all that much. And you're probably going to have one of the pass catchers from those other three quarterbacks in your lineup also. At least there's there's strong consideration. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the most likely path for me, even though I think you can try and justify getting up to the Murray plus sort of level this week. Yeah, I'm not doing that either. I mean, like I said, that's the that's what I would do. That's what I would advise if we're going to pay up here, but it's still not really what I want to do for all the reasons you said. Justin Herbert's my favorite way to go here. And I mean, I like a Justin Herbert, Justin Jackson, Keenan Allen stack, but I definitely like having two of those guys in my lineup. We've got Justin Herbert at $6,400. This is just a great matchup with the uh, with the uh, Jaguars defense. And we've seen Justin Herbert show up against some good defenses this year. I mean, this guy has had to stare down the Buccaneers defense, had himself a monster game in that one, 290 yards and three touchdowns, a good game against the Chiefs, a good game against the Saints. Justin Herbert has showed up against some really good, you know, good to great defenses already in his young career. Now he gets a very bad Jaguars defense. So he's someone who I like a lot. And then I look at Drew Brees. I think he's kind of sneaky at $6,100. This, of course, is all premised on Michael Thomas playing. And while we think he will, still did not uh, participate in the portion of practice that is open to the media on Thursday, now dealing with a hamstring issue in addition to the ankle injury that is apparently behind him. So, there is a little bit of uh, concern there, I think, for Michael Thomas. But if he does play, Drew Brees having him and uh, Alvin Kamara out there, $6,100. I'm not saying he's a steal. I just think he's someone who should at least be part of the decision-making process. Yeah, I'm totally there with you. And I look at Brees and Ryan Tannehill kind of in the same sure. bucket right now, with Tannehill being in that Titans-Steelers matchup. Only $100 more if you want to get up to Tannehill. I think if you want to go bargain this week, Joe Burrow's pretty interesting. He's home against the Browns, 5,500, so he's a significant chunk less than the 
mid-tier guys that we're talking about, do you dare tempt fate and go that cheap at quarterback this week? I think you can. And, you know, I, you, the thing you like about Joe Burrow is that volume really isn't going to be an issue. And it might even be less of an issue if we're talking about a compromised Joe Mixon. So I could go that way. I'm probably not going to tempt fate because there's – you don't really have to, right? You don't have to. You don't have to pull off the quarterback pricing gymnastics to get a lot of the guys at running back and receiver that we like into your lineups. This isn't a week where we're trying to fit in a ninety five hundred dollar Christian McCaffrey, right? Even if you go expensive, expensive at running back, we're still talking about um, a what like a seventy nine hundred dollar Camara and a sixty seven hundred dollar Connor, or a seventy two hundred dollar Camara and a sixty seven hundred dollar Connor, or seventy two on or Jones. I mean seventy two on Jones, sixty eight hundred on on Kareem Hunt, like. We're not trying to squeeze in, you know, an $8,500 salary and a $7,900 salary this week. So it's not a week that I love to do it. I'll throw one more guy out there if you are looking for a way to get super expensive guys in. Maybe you do want to go with a couple of those guys and DeAndre Hopkins. Kyle Allen could be worse, right? $5,200, a great matchup against this Dallas defense that has stopped no one this season. And it's worth saying, last week, 280 yards and two touchdowns against a similarly bad Giants defense. The week before that, Kyle Allen's first start of the season, he left in the second quarter because of an injury, but he had a rushing touchdown before that injury. So on a per-quarter basis, he's given you some decent fantasy production this season. He would actually be my preferred player. If I'm going to go cheap, I'm going to go really cheap and try to get stacked, get loaded every other position yeah I think I'd be looking at that sort of strategy in the biggest field GPPs we're talking like the one dollar three dollar tournaments that have uh, hundreds of thousands of entries because then you've got more differentiation and you've maxed out ceiling at the other positions definitely a, a what could go right sort of play in those circumstances sorry you cut out there for a second by the time you came back, you were already done talking. Oh, all right. Yeah, I just kind of closed the thought on the cheap quarterback, so it should be yeah. a pretty seamless transition to tight yeah. end. Yep. All right, Derek, let's hit up the tight end position now here. This one's tough for me just because the guy who I like the most is TJ Hawkinson, but I feel like with all the spending I'm going to do elsewhere, like I, I, I kind of want to go even cheaper than his $5,000 play, but – very friendly defense he goes up against with the Falcons this week. Uh, he's one of the best tight ends, I think, to play regardless. Like, if I have him in season long, not only am I starting him regardless, but I actually feel really good about getting a strong game out of him. I think he's probably a top-five tight end play this week. But still, with I mean, even though I just said the thing about, you know, we don't really need to, to save at the quarterback position in an extreme way this week, we still do need to find a little bit, of, you know, a couple hundred here, a couple hundred there, and spending 5000 at the tight end position feels feels like it might be a little too much. I'm having a hard time finding 5K for tight end. I think a lot of other people are finding that same problem. Hunter Henry is really popular this week, especially you know if we get bad news on Keenan Allen, that would probably drive more interest to him. But I could see Hunter Henry finishing as the most highly rostered tight end on DraftKings this week. He's projecting that way over at Rotor Grinders right now. Uh, Austin Hooper catches my eye too, though, at mm -hmm. 4K. I, I think... You know, Browns Bengals is one of those games that it's in the secondary bucket. I'll have probably at least one player from that game, maybe two, in a lot of my lineups. And I think Hooper is a really good way to get that, given the volatility we've seen from Odell Beckham, given Jarvis Landry seemingly just being hobbled each and every single week. I think Hooper is probably a good happy medium there. There's a nice floor. If he finds the end zone in that game at 4K, you're going to come away really happy. 
Yeah, and he's quietly gotten back into the offense after starting off his Browns tenure really slowly, doing more blocking than he was route running, but he's been more a part of the passing game over the last couple of weeks. That's my preferred range. You've got him at 4K, you go $100 down, you can find Dalton Schultz. You can go $100 up, you can find Darren Fells. We know about those guys. They're going to have some sort of role in their offense where they're going to get targets, and we know the touchdown upside certainly for Fells and Schultz is you know as high as you're going to get once you get out of the obvious crop of tight ends starters so that's really my preferred way to go here one of those three guys you're spending on average four thousand dollars at the tight end position gives you plenty of places to spend up elsewhere and I do the same thing at defense I'm going back to the Washington well Derek they really haven't let us down this season they haven't given us a ton of huge games but you're not really asking them to do that they come in in the mid twos maybe the high twos in a really good matchup Basically every single week, they can get after the quarterback. They do get that. They do get after the quarterback and get you a couple of sacks on average pretty much every single week. We know they can pop a big play. And this actually, I was surprised to see them at just $2,500 this week because a Dak Prescott-less Dallas team isn't you know, a terrible matchup. I still think it's not one that you're necessarily super excited about because of all those weapons and because even though last week was as ugly as it was, it's not like Andy Dalton is some total incompetent uh, running an offense, but it's not a matchup that you're scared of either, especially with what Washington can do getting after the quarterback. So I feel really good about them at $2,500. Yeah, I think that's going to be a common punt defense for this week, and that's totally fine. I mean, if they get on the board with a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown, that's huge. As you said, they always get pressure. I think you want to pick on backup quarterbacks, and you want to pick on rookie quarterbacks. So if you're looking for another way to possibly get into the Browns-Bengals matchup, the Browns defense is one way to do that. They're under 3K at 2,800. I think you could justify going that route as well. Um, You know, I, I don't think... You can do the ultra contrarian spend up for a defense thing this week because there's just too many other smart places to spend your money elsewhere. So when you see the bills at 4700 you just think like, how on earth could you justify it on this particular slate? Sure, no one's going to have them, but you just can't do it because you're leaving too much out there elsewhere. Yeah, it's just it's way too risky and way too silly to try to do that. As great of a matchup as it is, hats off to anyone who has the Bills and their season-long team, but DFS, we are going to go another route. That also brings us to the end of our DFS route on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast and Athletic Football Show. DVR, thanks for joining us here, man. Have a good weekend. Yeah, you too. Enjoy these games. Enjoy this slate. I've have so many players we didn't even talk about who I'm going to have in lineups guys that I really liked we didn't even have time for definitely going to be a fun one we'll check you later DVR looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events we've got the spot our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years providing a 100% guarantee with every order from a worldwide selection of live events the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. That's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. 
Okay, we move it on over to part two of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast and Athletic Football Show for Friday, October 23rd, week seven. We are going to talk some against the spread picks, and to do that, we bring on Vic Tafer as we do every single week on this show. Vic, how you doing today? Doing okay. Doing okay. A little, uh, little crazy, a lot of COVID uh, <laughs> scheduling stuff coming up, but uh, otherwise, all good. Yeah, a little hectic for you out there covering the Raiders. Uh, obviously, that's not a game we're going to talk about here in this context, uh, but hopefully it's a game that still happens in Week 7 between the Raiders and the Buccaneers. Of course, it was supposed to be Sunday Night Football. That got moved, and now maybe the game gets moved entirely because of the, Ra- the Raiders' COVID-19 issues. But that is a another topic for another day. Fingers crossed that we still get this game in Week 7, and of course, that everyone is healthy. Let's take a look back at Week 6. Vic, you went 3-2. and two. I went 2-2. And three, your wins, Philadelphia, San Fran, and Miami. Those Cowboys, man, they keep getting us. That was one of uh, both of our losses. You also took a loss on New England. My two wins were Tennessee, and I'll admit that was a lucky one on the Tennessee Titans. But, hey, I'll take it for sure. Washington also coming through for me again. Minnesota, Green Bay, and the Cowboys falling for me. You hit an upset pick. You picked San Francisco to not only beat that spread, but beat the Rams straight up, and they did it. So kudos to you. 11-18-1 now on the season. 16 13 and 1 for me. Our consensus record fell to 4 and 5 because of those stinking Dallas Cowboys. Anything from last week stand out to you before we get into week 7 picks? No, I think everyone thought that Andy Dalton would be okay. I think they're now rethinking that. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure he's the answer as far as turning the Cowboys luck around. They really are uh, quite a bunch. But um, yeah, your Cardinals came through for you, but obviously. You jumped off the bandwagon a little quick there, but uh, they look good. I don't know who knows if they look good or if that was all the Cowboys being terrible. But um. I think it was a little of both. But uh, I'm happy you bring that up because we are going to definitely talk about what is a marquee game between the Seahawks and Cardinals, and now Sunday Night Football for this week. We're going to have some picks on that one, but that, of course, that's Sunday Night Football. That's at the end of the show. We start. With the Sunday early slate, week seven consensus lines from Vegas Insider. The first game that we get to, Browns and Bengals. Already the second meeting between these two teams. So unless uh, they both somehow make the playoffs, this will be the last time the two Ohio teams see one another this year. Browns minus three and a half in Cincinnati. 50 and a half is the over-under on this one. Vic, you back the Browns. Thinking a bounce back after last week's drubbing at the hands of the Steelers. That's the way I lean too, but I'm not making it one of my five. Why do you feel good enough to make it one of your five? I think the defense should be okay. Should be able to get some pressure on Joe Burrow. Obviously, he doesn't have a lot of uh, his old line's not great. He's been getting kind of beat up, but um, he's had some nice spots. Also, some rough spots this year. I think this one will be a rough spot for him and the and the Bengals. I think the Browns are just a better team. Definitely, I should be a little mad about the way they were handled last week by the Steelers. Yeah, you know, I, I at first I was actually leaning toward Cincinnati just because they do they have shown some life. They are wait, let me pull it up, let me grab it here. They're uh, they're four and two against the spread so far this season. So it's a team that has enough of an offense to make things interesting. But then I started thinking about uh, the Browns and the way they've played this year. Their two losses have made them look really bad. 
but they were to Baltimore and Pittsburgh both on the road. So a little bit lopsided in terms of how bad they looked in those games. They beat Cincinnati. They beat a better-than-they-seem Washington team. I think they they crushed Dallas in Dallas. Uh, they beat Indianapolis. So you weigh the Browns' wins against the Browns' losses, and even though those losses were very ugly, they're understandably ugly given the opponent. So that's what has me leaning in the direction of the Browns, but not one that I want to back to make one of my five. Uh, that was a, a tough backdoor cover the first time these two teams played. Felt like the Browns were the right pick all game in week two. That was a Thursday night game in week two. And then the Bengals snuck in a backdoor cover right at the end of it. So uh, Browns looking for a little bit of uh, cover, a little bit of against the spread revenge in Cincinnati this week. We're not going to go over every single game the way that we have in past weeks. We're definitely going to go, obviously, over all the games that we uh, have picks on. We're going to try to save a little bit of time by not running through every single game and maybe just picking uh, a few here or there among the ones that we are not picking. So I'm going to skip past Washington and Dallas. I will say that I actually initially had Washington as a pick here. But I don't know. I mean, Washington has the worst point differential in the NFC. It's not like they are really much to write home about either. So with the way the NFC East has played this week, we're both feeling, let's just leave it alone. Or not this week, this season. Let's just leave this game alone. Move right past it. One game that we don't have a pick on that I do want to bring up to you is the Saints and Panthers. Saints minus 7.5, 51 is the over-under. This is one where I was leaning toward New Orleans and also one where I toyed with putting it in my five, but I just couldn't quite get all the way there. Carolina, probably not going to be going to the playoffs, but this is not a bad team in the first year of the Matt Rule era. They were right there with the Bears in a game that it felt like they maybe shouldn't have been. felt like the Bears were in control of it, but they were right there. They had an opportunity to tie it late. Uh, An interception ended the game, Uh, but 7.5 with a still Compromised Michael Thomas hasn't practiced on Wednesday or Thursday because of now a hamstring injury. Maybe a few too many points for the Saints here. Yeah, I've been impressed with Matt Rule. I think this is uh, the Teddy Bridgewater revenge game. I think he's been playing pretty well. And I think there's definitely more for him to do in that offense. I think the, the, the ceiling is pretty high for him this year. So I think they'll be able to stay close if not, if not win outright. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting game. You think they could win this one outright? It's possible. I think their offense, like you said, their offense is pretty good. The receivers are pretty good. I think uh, Mike Davis has been fine in place of McCaffrey. And I got Bridgewater, I think he's a – I've never been a huge fan of his, but a guy who thinks he's had a huge upside. But I think the coaching staff has done a nice job with him, and he's definitely using his skill set pretty well this year. All right, man, let's move this on to the next one, somewhere where we do both have picks. And we have the same pick, Bills at Jets. Minus 13 is the line on the Bills at the Jets. I mean – is this one as simple as it seems to both of us, Vic? 45 is the over-under, I should say, but is this as simple as it seems? I mean, the Jets have just been absolutely atrocious. Doesn't matter who the quarterback is. As of our recording, which is on Thursday afternoon, it sounds like Sam Darnold might be able to get back out there for the Jets, but at the same time, no practice on Thursday for Jamison Crowder with the groin injury. I mean, it just doesn't really seem to matter. It feels like the sort of game where the Bills can strip things down to the bare bones, play like a B-minus game, and get out of there with one of the most comfortable 27 nothing victories you've ever seen in your life. They should. I mean, I think the bookmakers can't make the line high enough. I think the Jets are totally, they've totally tanked, they're totally make no bones about it. They've traded away players, they've benched players. They're, they're really, really bad. I think they, uh, they see the Jaguars kind of hanging around in the Trevor Lawrence Derby. They got to make sure they keep losing. So I think they will keep losing the rest of the year, uh, both straight up and, and against the spread. 
Yeah, I mean, there's really no bad way to attack the Jets, and maybe that's something that we keep on doing, right? They are one of two teams that is 0-6 against the spread this year, the other one being the Dallas Cowboys. So uh, so maybe I should reconsider that Washington football's pick and, and go with them. It's just a, a pick and spread in that game, but... I think the Jets need to show us a little something before we are even remotely concerned with them beating a spread and against a very good team like the Bills coming off a couple of tough losses to two really good teams, right? Uh, games where they hung tough against both uh, the the Titans and the Chiefs. The Bills had their schedule messed with because of the Titans' COVID issues, so two impressive performances, even in losses, I think, from the Buffalo team. And the one real weakness we've seen so far from the Bills this year is the run defense, but the Jets are just not equipped to attack that weakness. They're really not equipped to attack any weakness, but uh, they're definitely not equipped without Le'Veon Bell on the roster uh, to attack the weakness. I mean, how many carries would Frank Gore need to get to get to 100 yards? Like 29? Uh, maybe over. I just think if, if, you lose, <laughs> if you lose the Frank Gore-led running attack, you got to just tip your cap and move on. That, <laughs> yeah. that, sh- that, sh- that shouldn't happen. Yeah, so we like the Bills to cover the 13 in this one. You know, I said I'm not going to uh, mention every single game, but then I look down at our sheet and we have so many different picks that we're almost already going to be talking about every single game. So I'm just going to throw the Packers and Texans in. This is one where we do not have a pick from either of us. Packers are favored by three and a half in Houston. 57 is the over-under. You know the play I like in this, Vic, is the over. And it feels almost too good to be true, too easy to be true, but... Two great offense, two pass games that have been really effective for uh, most of the time this season. Obviously, the Packers didn't look that way last year. The Texans have bounced back in a big way, or last week. Texans have bounced back in a big way over their last two games. Uh, I think this game goes way over. I don't see either defense slowing things down. I lean toward the toward the Texans just because of the points factor, but it's not one that I feel super confident in. I love the over, though. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think, uh, if anything, the Packers, the O-line problems are a little concerning. Mm-hmm. I, you can see Houston getting after Aaron Rodgers a little bit. So that would be the one thing that might not totally sell me on the over if they were able to harass him like the Bucks did last week. But I agree. Both offenses are really good. And I think it's the Texans, they should have won last week. So I'm not sure what yeah. their morale is. But uh, like you said, the offense definitely been much better since they fired Bill O'Brien. So that definitely is a reason enough to back him here, I think. Maybe this is the week that uh, convinces the Packers to go out and make the trade for uh, the uh, hometown guy in uh, in J.J. Watt. Maybe they finally see enough of him in person to go and make that move, something that's been rumored about, something our Packers and Texans beat writers, Matt Schneidman on the Packers, Aaron Reese on the Texans, got together and wrote about. So maybe this is uh, something CNM up close and personal tips the scales for the Packers. Let's move on to one of the real marquee games. On Sunday, Titans 5-0, Steelers 5-0 getting together in Tennessee. Titans are minus one as of right now. You'll see this maybe minus one and a half. It could get up to minus two. In some places, you might even see the Steelers favored. So a range of available lines in this game. We are using Titans minus one as the Vegas Insider consensus. And I like the Steelers, uh, Vic. I am making the Steelers one of my five picks. I think they are built to make Tennessee's defense pay for its weaknesses. And, you know, the Titans scare me. I got to tip my cap. This is a very good team. This is a team that really now... You know, we have 16 games worth of Ryan Tannehill as the starter for the Titans, and they have been excellent in those 16 games. He has played like a real MVP in those 16 games. And what scares me the most about the Titans offensively is that they really make no secret about what they're going to do. They're going to Derrick Henry you to death. They are going to be very efficient in the passing game. They have two guys who they like to lean on in A.J. Brown and Jonu Smith, although Jonu dealing with a little bit of an injury. 
this week they get Corey Davis back. But the teams that really scare you are the ones that you basically know what they're going to try to do coming into every game. And no matter what, they can still do it. So that has me a little bit scared. But we love this Pittsburgh defense. And what really pushed it over the top for me, Vic, is the Taylor Lewan injury. I think that's going to be a real big killer for this Tennessee offense. And that's enough for me to say in a game that basically is an even matchup between two AFC heavyweights. No one would be surprised if this were the AFC championship game. I think an injury like that, especially this being their first game without Taylor Lewan, so they're sort of still figuring out what the moving parts are going to be on that line in a very tough matchup against Pittsburgh's defense. That's enough for me to tip the scales, trust the Steelers to win, and that's all they got to do. They win this game, they beat the spread, so I'm going to go with Pittsburgh as one of my five picks. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. I think there are only a handful of good defenses in the NFL right now, and Pittsburgh's got one of them. I think you mentioned the Lawan injury is a big deal. I also think the Steelers have done a nice job with Chase Claypool. I'm not sure yeah. teams haven't figured out how to stop him yet, so I think their offense is also doing its job as well. So I think they're playing pretty good all-around football, so I think it's a good spot for them. Yeah, this is uh, going to be a great game. You know, I don't think I don't think the Steelers run away with it by any stretch of the imagination. Even with that Lawan injury, I think this is going to be a game that lives up to the billing. But I'm going to mark down the Steelers. My second one. We both got two apiece here in the early slate. Let's move on to the late window. Of course, Buccaneers Raiders as of this recording scheduled to be in that window, but. Uh, you're right up there close to the situation. Is it looking like there's any chance of it playing in that window? Or if this game plays this week, is it more likely going to be Monday or Tuesday? I think there's still a small chance. And right now, the only player that's tested positive is Trent Brown. They have like six guys who are kind of in isolation. So if those tests keep coming up uh, negative, then they probably will play the game on Sunday. But if anything happens as far as another positive, they're not able to move the game to Monday or Tuesday because of the time change. So I think it'll get played either way, but it's not sure when. I keep uh, keep an eye on this with us here. Obviously, Vic and his uh, fellow Raiders beat writer, Sean Reed, all over this. You can get everything you need on Raiders and Buccaneers here at The Athletic. Let's move on to our next game in the late window. Patriots and 49ers. Patriots at home, favored by two. 43.5 is the over-under. You are making a pick on this game, buying low on the New England Patriots. Why do you believe in a bounce back for them in this game? I think it's a good spot. They're back home. Obviously, they had a rough game last week. They had a lot of rust because of all the COVID stuff. They hadn't played for a while. So I have faith in Bill Belichick and Cam Newton to kind of get it figured out. And the Niners, that was a big win for them last week. I'm not sure the Niners are all the way back to where they, you know, people think they are. And I mean, the, the, the range and emotions is so funny. Like, oh, they're terrible. Now it's, oh, they're back. Jimmy G. <laughs> Jimmy G is back, baby. So I think it's still somewhere in the middle. I think you know, all you're asking – the Patriots to win pretty much. It's a minus two spread. So win the game at home against a good team. I think that's definitely reasonable to ask for. I thought I liked the 49ers when I first saw this line, but it just felt a little too fishy. It's sort of like what you said. Like it's a good buy low spot on the Patriots. And that's what has me scared about the 49ers is just like after what we saw from these teams last week, right? The Patriots are 10 point favorites and they lose to Denver by six. Uh, the, the 49ers, a team that people are thinking are totally dead, show up and have a really good game beating the Rams in a game that they totally controlled, right? I mean, the score made it look sort of kind of close, but the 49ers were in control of that game really from the jump. And so to see this only be a two-point spread, it feels 
a little fishy, right? It feels like they are really begging you uh, to take the 49ers. And I don't know, something about them wanting to do that makes me want to stay away. So I'm staying away. I do lean 49ers. I understand why you're backing the Patriots. I am not backing anyone. I will back a play in this next game. Another one that feels a little fishy, and I'm going to trust that fishy smell and go with the Chiefs. The Chiefs are nine and a half point favorites uh, at Denver. This game is in Denver. Chiefs hitting the road to take on the Broncos. 46 is the over-under in this one. Hats off to Denver. They've been in mostly every game they've played this season. They've only had their starting quarterback available for like two and a half games. He got hurt week two. Drew Locke did against the Steelers, and uh, they stayed in that game. They nearly came back in that one. They've been in mostly every game they've played this season. So uh, Vic Fangio and the staff there deserve a ton of credit for being able to do what they've done and you know pulled off uh, an impressive victory, shutting down the Patriots' offense a week ago. But uh, we also saw the offensive deficiencies that the Broncos have on their side of the ball. And, you know, you can say everything that should be said about Drew Locke. It was his first game back. He was maybe a little rushed back from that shoulder injury. Uh, Maybe uh, didn't necessarily play as bad as some of the stats would suggest in that game. But let me tell you something you can't do, Vic. You can't settle for field goals, even if it's six of them, and come anywhere near beating the Kansas City Chiefs, no matter how good your defense is, too. I feel really good about the Chiefs in this game. That was an offense that we saw get going. And what you liked from the offense last week was they read the situation, right? Andy Reid read the situation. It was a sloppy game, a sloppy environment against the Bills. The Bills were clearly determined to not get beat by Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill playing in such a deep shell. And they said, all right, you want to do that? Well, we can feed Clyde Edwards-Alaire 26 times, and he's going to run it for 161 yards. And that was a really impressive showing from the Chiefs' offense. It seems like uh, there's really no shortage of what they can do offensively. So I'm going to just trust the clearly better team in this one and go with the Chiefs. I think you know whether we see Le'Veon Bell or not in this game is still uh, left to be determined, but... Yeah, I don't think we need to see too much of him in his first game as a Chief. Like the offense here, like the matchup, don't really fear what the Broncos' offense can do. And again, if this this is a game, we know how different the Chiefs' defense can play when they get a lead. If they do get out to a lead in this one, a two-score lead early, they're able to pin the years back. Let Chris Jones, let them fly at that uh, at that Broncos offense. At Drew Locke, it could be a really ugly game for this offense. So give me the Chiefs. Do you have a lean in this one at all, even though you're not putting it in your five? Yeah, I'm with you. I agree. It's a fishy spread. That's a, that's a big number on the road, especially for an offense that's not been totally explosive like as you're used to them being. But I think that's what the bookmakers want, do you think? I think definitely Pat Mahomes can get it going, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey at any point. So I think if they get going like they usually have in the past, they can roll up a big number, and I think that number will be enough to cover the spread. So I do think it's uh, it's it definitely caught my eye. Like, that's a lot of points on it. coming off, you know, the Broncos – winning a game last week, but uh, I think you can take the risk and lay the points. We've got another big spread in the last game of the late window on Sunday. Chargers minus eight at home against the Jaguars. 49 is the over-under. Vic, I was this close. If you could see what I was doing, I'm, you know, I've got the I've got the fingers up. I was this close to joining you on the Chargers, but there were just a handful of games I liked a little bit better. So they're just on the outside looking in for me. I am with you. I lean Chargers. You go, Chargers. I mean, we we love what we've seen from this team and Justin Herbert, right? Since he's taken over as the starter. What makes it one of your favorite five plays of the week? 
I think that definitely our better than the record indicates they've been in a lot of close games, some tough losses, but I mentioned Herbert's played well. I think uh, the running backs have looked good, even with Eckler being out. Like they've done a nice job stepping in for him. So defense getting healthier. I think they're, yeah, they're a pretty solid squad. And I think the other hand, I think the Jags are just uh, every week they lose by more and more points. They had a nice <laughs> yep. start to the season, but it's been a rough four weeks. I think they got to be eyeing the, uh, the Jets and saying, Hey, we can't, we can't win a game. We got to keep, keeping the Trevor Lawrence Derby. So I think they'll uh, keep losing by, by a lot of points. Yeah, the one thing that scared me away from it in terms of backing the Chargers with the eight is uh, we know that Gardner Minshew is a, a playoff or a garbage time hero, uh, and that that's always going to be there for him. There are enough weapons in that passing game with a fully healthy DJ Chark, Keelan Cole emerging as a useful guy for this team. That even if the Chargers are up by you know fourteen late, no one would be surprised to see the Jaguars throw up a garbage touchdown uh, to get inside that eight points, which is a little much for me to back as a line bet, but. Do think that the Chargers are better than that record shows, as you said. And Justin Herbert, I mean, he's done it against the Buccaneers. He's done it against the Chiefs. He's done it against the Saints. Hard to believe that he wouldn't do it against the worst pass defense in the NFL in the Jacksonville Jaguars. Sunday night football. We've got a great one. Seahawks and Cardinals flexed into this game that was originally supposed to be the Raiders and Buccaneers. Seahawks are three and a half point favorites in Arizona 56 is the over-under. Vic, at loggerheads on this one, we've got another head-to-head pick. You are on the Seahawks. I am on the Cardinals. I will be the gentleman and let you go first. Make the case for the Seahawks. Uh, I just think the better team. I think I, I think you're getting a better, even a better quarterback. Yeah. I think you're getting an all-round better yeah. team. I think the spread's not too uh, out of hand. I think they should, if they win the game, they're probably going to cover the spread. So I think they're not getting I – mean, obviously, they've got some close wins, but I'm not sure everyone's totally – uh, sold on how great they've been, and I think they deserve a little more credit. Defense styles have been bad, but I think they'll get better. I think they definitely have the, the tools and the coaches to get better there. So I think they're still on the upswing. I think they'll win this game against the – again, the Cardinals team, I'm not really sure how much to take from that game on Monday, if that really was the coming out party or just, uh, just the Cowboys being just terrible. So uh, I'm a little confused about that that game. I think that's totally fair, and I think you're right about everything. Do they have the better quarterback? Of course they have the better quarterback. The the Seahawks could arguably have the better quarterback in every game they play this season, and that includes the Chiefs with the way Russell Wilson's play. And I'm not saying that would, that's necessarily true, but you could definitely make the argument that Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the NFL going right now the way that he is playing, and they've got the better team. I agree with that also. I think this is still a fair spread, though, if we consider the, the three-point bump for being at home uh, for Arizona. And what I like about Arizona in this game is it's a matchup sport, right? It's a matchup sport. And Arizona, I think, is uniquely suited to attack the greatest weakness in Seattle's defense, that being against the pass. I think that we could see some really nice numbers, some really good games out of this Arizona passing game and everyone who is tied to it. We finally saw a useful game out of Christian Kirk last week. He did it on limited volume, and I'm not sure that those big plays or that one big play is going to be available to him the way it was against Dallas a week ago. But it was still nice to see him get involved in a meaningful way, right? As great as DeAndre Hopkins is, he can't do it all on his own. We need to see someone else in this Arizona passing game step up alongside him. And so I do think that seeing that one big game out of Christian Kirk is a real feather in the cap for the Cardinals going forward. And if you look at the if you look at what the uh, what the Seahawks have done so far this season, you, you've seen teams that are capable of throwing the ball 
really get at them. I mean, even teams that are not necessarily the most capable of throwing the ball. Take the New England Patriots and Cam Newton throwing for nearly 397 yards against them. I mean, this is a team that if you can throw it, you can stay in it. And I think that's what we're going to see from Arizona in this one. I think we see a big game out of Kyler Murray and they at least stay in it. They at least keep it within a field goal. And I think there's enough juice here for them maybe to pull off the upset. So I really like the Cardinals. I feel pretty good about them in this one. I know what the Seahawks are. This is an excellent team, but they're probably not going 16 and 0. And if you start looking through their schedule and look for realistic places for them to take a loss and, you know, not even a bad loss. I mean, you know, even though they're favored by this one, three and a half points, I mean, would anyone really bat an eye at them losing a tough game to Arizona? Arizona's a quality team. They've got an up-and-coming quarterback. They've got an up-and-coming offense. They're a quality team. I mean, that's not a un, that's not an unexplainable loss for them to take. And so I like the Cardinals here. Chandler Jones being out obviously is a concern, but they got their feet wet with that last week, adapt their defensive schemes. And listen, even with Chandler Jones, you're probably not doing a whole lot to slow down Seattle's offense and Russell Wilson and what they've been able to do so far this season. This is a game that is going to have to be won and stayed close with uh, on the offensive side for Arizona and I think they can do that. So we've got another head-to-head game here, Vic. Uh, what's our, our head-to-head record? We haven't had a ton of head-to-head. Let me uh, let me pull that back up really quick. I think it's just two games, right? Yeah, I am uh, 1-0-1. We had, the, we had the push like week one or week two, uh, and then I got a win uh, in week six. I can't remember. No, week five. I can't remember the game off the top of my head. So uh, 1-0-1. So, uh, so we're adding to our head-to-head record here. Uh, hopefully, it's uh, I'd like to be 2-0-1 after this week. That sounds decent to me. And it should be a fun game, right? No matter what, this should be a game that lives up to the billing between the Cardinals and the Seahawks. Monday night football, Rams and Bears. Rams are six-point favorites at home in L.A. with the Bears coming to town. 45 is the over-under in this one. And if you've been keeping count over what we've done here, you might realize that I still have one pick to make. Obviously, that will be done here on Monday night football. And Vic, I am taking the Chicago Bears. For me, it's just too many points for this uh, for this Rams team to be laying against a Bears team that has a really, really good defense. I mean, there is still plenty of work to be done on the offensive side of the ball for the Bears, but we are seeing this defense once again carry this team. An elite pass defense, a run defense that can be had, and I worry about Daryl Henderson in this game, but an elite pass defense that we're seeing from the Chicago Bears. And the Bears and Rams have a lot of recent history with one another. When you combine uh, the uh, NFC North versus NFC West games that we've had in recent seasons and the Bears and Rams both winning their division a couple of years ago, so they had that carryover game last year. The Bears have uh, seen this Sean McVay offense. You know, a lot of the same personnel, obviously, each year is its own thing, but a lot of the same personnel on both sides here. The Bears have seen this offense, and they have done quite well against this offense defensively over the last couple of seasons. And then one last thing that I think really put me over the top here. Do you know off the top of your head who the Rams' four wins are against this season? Uh, no. They're 4-2. and two. It's a 4-2 and two team. Do you know who the, the four wins are against? Bad teams. Yes. Bad teams that all have something in common. They all play in the same division, and that division is the NFC East. The Rams beat the Cowboys in week one. They beat the Eagles in week two. Then they lost to the Bills. They beat the Giants in week four. They beat the Washington footballs in week five. And then last week they lost to the 49ers. So all you can do is beat the team that's across the field from you. And the Bills have done that, or the the Rams have done that four out of six games they've played this season. But 
eh, it's four pretty bad teams that they have taken down in their four games. So this is a really tough test. It's probably the toughest defense. It's definitely the toughest defensive test that this Rams offense has faced this season. I'm not saying the Bears go in and win. I toyed around with it as my upset pick, but I just think that's too many points for a Rams team that really hasn't beaten anyone this season and gets a really tough defense in Chicago this week. Yeah, I'm with you. I almost made the Bears one of my picks as well. I think, like I mentioned earlier, I'm going to go with the top defenses this year a lot more on the rest of the way. There's only a handful of teams that can play defense pretty well, and the Bears are one of them. I think it's a good spot for them. I was Nick Foles. Who knows what you're getting with that guy, but I think yep. they should be able to score some points, enough points. Well, I, like, I like your bet. I think it's a good, a good pick. All right, well, let's wrap it up here. Your five for this week. Browns, they are... Minus three and a half at Cincinnati. You've got the Bills minus 13 at the New York Jets. You have got the New England Patriots minus two at home against the 49ers. The Seahawks minus three and a half at Arizona. And the Chargers minus eight against the Jaguars. I am going with the Bills also minus 13 at the Jets. I've got the Steelers plus one at Tennessee. I've got the Kansas City Chiefs minus nine and a half in Denver. The Cardinals at home catching three and a half against the Seahawks. And finally, the Bears, they are getting six in Los Angeles. Upset pick for you is? I guess I'm going with the Panthers. We're going with the Teddy Bridgewater special. I think he might be the <laughs> he might be the best quarterback in the game at this point. And I think uh, there weren't a lot of good-looking dogs otherwise, I thought, in this card. So mm-hmm. that's the one where I thought they might uh, – I think they're going to cover. So now it's a question, can they actually win the game? I think they can. It's the friendliest revenge game ever, right? It's not yeah. like uh, Teddy and the Saints have any bad blood whatsoever. Just found a place to start and obviously uh, got everything on track uh, after that gruesome injury uh, in Minnesota back with the Saints last uh, that last season. So uh, a very friendly revenge game, but a revenge game nonetheless for Teddy Bridgewater. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. I say they pull off the upset. They win this game at home. They knock the Seahawks from the ranks of the unbeaten. And either way, just I, I think it's going to be I'll be very disappointed if it doesn't live up to its billing because uh, with the way these two teams have played and the way these two offenses can get going, I think it is a game that should live up to the billing. Uh, let's turn things over to Survivor really quick. Uh, if you've got the bills, no reason to get cute, right? I mean, it should just be – Survivor should just be, unless you've already used the Jets opponent, pick against the Jets. Right, or, or the Jags. The Jags are your backup yeah. there, pretty much. <laughs> um, I think if you, if you already have used those teams, let's say you've used the uh, bills, you've used the Chargers – um, I could see going to the Saints, going against that upset pick there, Vic. I could see that's not a bad play. And I think the Chiefs as well. Uh, it's hard to imagine them taking another loss as frisky as Denver has been. But uh, Bills and Chargers, those are our top two plays. If you have one of those two available, make them your survivor pick. And that is going to do it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast and athletic football show the three of us me Derek Van Riper and Vic Tafer will be right back here next Friday to get you set in the DFS and against the spread worlds until then thanks for listening have a great weekend and enjoy all of the week seven action this was the athletic football show